Hello, everyone, wherever you are, and thank you for joining us for another Climate Talk by Puerto Protocol. Thank you, Carlo, Rovina, and Paulo will join us any second. As usual, I will introduce Puerto Protocol for those tuning in for the first time. We are an international foundation on a mission to build an open platform of climate solutions spread across the wine value chain. We have the ambition of acting as a catalyst for climate action within the wine world. And we are expanding this path based on collaborative sharing, doing it together with a growing community. And this community has members spread across the wine value chain from different wine regions, different sizes, and different stages of climate action that are sharing what they are doing to address climate crisis. We are not looking for perfection, we are looking for action and to grow this collective voice. So consider this as an invitation to act and to join us. We would love to meet you and we are a click away. And within the spirit of collaborative sharing, let me tell you about an initiative by Grapes for Humanity Global Foundation that we are honored to be joining. Grapes for Humanity, as Grapes for Humanity, has partnered with International Auction House Christie's to organize a first-of-its-kind online charity along with other co-hosted events on both the East and West Coast of America. This online event will be held in the fall of 2021 and funds raised will be donated to established organizations known for developing and disseminating climate solutions for the wine industry, including the Porto Protocol Foundation. This initiative counts with the engagement of names such as Hugh Jackson, Miguel Torres, and David Pearson, as well, with, as well as with rare exceptional wines and wine experiences provided by legendary winery owners such as Chateau Lafitte and Marchesi Frescobaldi. But the list of packages is to be auctioned is far from complete. And together with Grapes for Humanity, we have the wish of making this auction the most representative of wine regions across the world. And for this, we will start to contact selected members of ours to ask for their support for this cause. Now, going back to these climate talks, they are our most important tool, at least the most visible tool we have of fulfilling this mission of ours, having people from different regions, profiles, companies, share with our community their experience, the best they have done and that they know. And today we're, we're here for the third edition of the Business Sense of Internalizing Climate Change. The reason why we repeat this topic every three months is because we believe that we should not only bring to the table climate solutions of a more technical nature, but also the why companies should address climate change as part of their business. And so for that, as usual, we have invited different businesses, lead, sorry, different business leaders to share their path and strategy. This time we have been able to bring different stakeholders of the wine value chain, and hopefully we'll also be able to understand how they can work together towards a common goal of climate action. So let's start by introducing to you Carlo Mondavi. Hi, Carlo. Carlo is joining us today from Oregon, where he's doing the demo of uh, of his, his new product, if you can call it that, and our, or his new mission, as he's the co-founder and chief farming officer of Monarch Tractor. But he's not only here on behalf of Monarch Tractor, he's also a producer and he's engaged with Ryan, Ryan Winery, uh, he's engaged with Continuum Estate, and he's also engaged with Sori della Sora in Italy. So, and he's also the force behind the Monarch Challenge, which I will not introduce to you because I'm sure that Carlo will. And then we have Paolo. Hello, Paolo. 
Paul is joining us with two hats, let's say. On one, one, on one hand, he's joining us as the chairman of BA Glass, a glass manufacturer that is present all over Europe. And on the other hand, he's also here as a chairman and also former CEO of Sonai, a multinational company managing a diversified portfolio of businesses. But most importantly, to what brings us here today, the biggest retailer in Portugal. And it's important to say that both these companies have committed to carbon neutrality. And then we have Rovina. Now we have to thank Rovina because it's 2 a.m. in Australia where she's tuning in from and she accepted our invitation nevertheless. Rovina is the CEO of Denomination. Den uh, by the way, Denomination Drinks Design, a creative agency that work works mostly with, uh, with drinks in general. And uh, this agency has branches in the UK and in the US as well, besides Australia. And also it's important to say that Rovina is a climate neutral agency. And I'm sure she'll tell us how, she will definitely ask why is this important and why, how did this happen? Now, all these business leaders have in different ways and for different reasons, internalized climate change as part of their business strategy. So I will start by asking each of you, when did addressing climate change become a priority to you and your business? And I'll start with you, Carlo. Thank you, Marta. It's a pleasure to be here with you and pleasure to be here with fellow panelists and everyone in the audience. Um, so climate change be became an a, a emergency. It's always been something that I'm passionate about is protecting nature, protecting um, the things that I love the most because I grew up farming and I grew up as a part of the land and my father and my grandfather always said that we're stewards of this land and our goal is to leave it better than we, 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 we received it, if, if that's possible. Um, and so uh, everything was going along beautifully. I was actually, my focus with the Monarch Challenge initially was on protecting the soil microbiome and the farm biology. So um, it's a long story and I'll get into kind of the, the genesis and, and idea of the Monarch Challenge. But uh, for me, um, climate change completely uh, took over my life in 2017 when there was the wildfires in Napa, Sonoma and Mendocino. Um, I realized quickly that we can protect the soil microbiome and the farm biology, but if we don't have a climate that we can survive in, then, then it, it's, it's all for nothing. Um, and so I became kind of a, a bit more of a, a climate warrior at that point in time. I was always, I don't want to say an environmentalist, but a con conservationalist. Um, uh, and so that that was it. And then, I mean, look, we've had fires every year since 2020 uh, was was by far the worst. And I think we're seeing this on a global basis. There's fires right now. I'm up here debuting uh, the Monarch Tractor, which is, is a solution to the Monarch Challenge. Um, and and needless to say, there's fires up here in Oregon right now, which is just terrifying. So um, and I think we're seeing it on a global basis when you look at uh, you know Australia and the fires there, the Amazon, uh, this Siberia um, and, and California and just Oregon, Washington, even in Portugal, it's just terrifying right now. And so um, we have to do something. We have to find a way to think outside the box to um, make farming and living um, in a clean way, economically superior to, to that of, of uh, you know, the conventional way using fossil fuel. We need to get away from fossil fuel. We need to get away from uh, all that and, and move towards renewable energy. But I know the other panelists would say, but that's quickly, 2017 was the one that hit me like a ton of bricks that it's really not about the soil microbiome and the farm biology. We cannot, we are on right now a climate emergency. We can't be selective. 
Um, so I still, I've come up with a solution with Monarch Tractor, which I'll share in a bit, which is a solution to protecting our soil microbiome, farm biology, and our planet um, through renew renewable resources. Um, but that's the, the quick um, <laughs> background on, on, yeah. on why I became passionate about protecting our planet and our climate. Thank you. Carla, I'll pass on to you, Paulo, and welcome. Um, hi. So, um, well, thanks for, for inviting me and, and, and congratulations for um, all the work that uh, Porto Protocol has, um, has done. Um, Thank you. Immensely proud of you guys, uh, plus the fact that you bear the name of my hometown, which is... Um, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> always, why. <laughs> always nice. Um, yeah, great. So, um, that's so nice. So I'll, I'll have to answer your questions with two hats, as you say. At Sonai, uh, it's difficult to pinpoint when. Uh, um, like Carlos said, I think um, it, nature and environment uh, consciousness has been around for a long time. Um, it's um, part of um, my father was practically the founder of Sonai, and it's always it was always something important for him. Um, it's, you can go back 30, 40 years, and uh, some of the things you wrote on sustainability um, could be could have been written in, in the last year. We um, were the first Portuguese company to jo join the World Business Council Development. We founded the, the Portuguese Council for Sustainable Development. Um, so that's always been very present. Now, climate change in particular, I think, became... Um, uh, a bigger priority within all the goals that we have in sustainability. Um, about um, five years ago, when we had a, a, a deep sort of uh, session thinking if we choose some areas to really try and push ahead um, as it was difficult to push ahead in absolutely everything. Um, and we chose um, um, uh, CO2 emissions, um, um, reduction of plastics and, uh, um, and and the fight against the reduction of biodiversity um, for the three that were most most linked to protecting nature and both the um, uh, obviously the CO2 emissions but also the uh, biodiversity were very very uh, led by the, the concern and, and the um, sense of urgency of doing something about them. Um, uh, about the where we were heading in, in terms of, um, of climate change. At, at BA Glass, I'm not sure, I'm newer to BA Glass. Um, BA Glass was once owned by Sanai and the, uh, and the owner and uh, CEO and chairman for a long time of, uh, of BA Glass was, uh, was a, uh, a long time uh, director at Sanai. So there, there are very similar aspects of the culture. I think that was always present. I look back I know 22 years ago, we started reporting environmental um, performance, which was quite early for, for, for Portugal. I certainly feel that um, in the five years that I've been on the board, uh, there has been a, a step up in, uh, in, in, in the attention and, uh, and, and the time dedication um, uh, given to, to climate change. In both cases, Sunai and BA Glass, there's a lot of support for um, by the by the by the, by the majority shareholders uh, for this, uh, and uh, that uh, as 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 a CEO when I was a CEO was always a, a huge plus. I mean, a lot of the listed companies um, struggled a few years ago, actually spending any real resources on um, 
on uh, on environmental issues because there was not a lot of support from the capital markets. But having um, uh, majority owners that uh, were very aligned with uh, with with, with the, the concern to um, to 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 produce economic value alongside social value and and and, and natural value was always um, was always there. So it was um, easier in that respect. All right, thank you, Rubina. I know what you're going to tell us is completely different, so go ahead. <laughs> it is completely different. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we started our journey um, with actually a client project when we were briefed to develop a sustainable wine brand. And it was sort of our, I guess it, it just opened our eyes to the complexity of what does a sustainable wine brand look like and and how do you develop one from from the ground up um, and and through to consumers um what it showed us was um was that really we needed to start putting those practices into action ourselves so it wasn't once we'd launched this brand which was called tread softly we then took a good hard look at ourselves and and went well what can we do as an agency to to really make sure that we are putting our best foot forward as a as a business and then subsequently how can we then help all of our clients um, develop better practices as they develop brands and as they manage brands uh, across the globe so that was the first one we also have a, a series of um, internal workshops that we do on anything so the the designers can come up with whatever um, they're passionate about and one of our designers uh, did a um, session on recycling just recycling high recycling in the business and that was kind of like a light bulb moment for us it was probably um, similar to Carlo at, at the time um, the bushfires um, have been horrendous in Australia as they have been around the world and um, she was a very um, passionate environmentalist and she gave us a whole lot of suggestions. What was really interesting was actually just looking around the room and seeing the level of engagement across the entire team um, who, were, who were there at the moment at that stage. And it just started this movement internally about, well, we need to do something, this is imperative, this is urgent, um, we have to set the standards here. So it kind of was, from both our clients, but also a sort of groundswell within the business. Well, it's great that a client triggered such a movement within within the company. And I, actually, you ended up answering to to my next question, which is: once you woke up to this challenge, what was the first thing that you did, did as a business? And I think, kind of starting with you, because I think in a way you've uh, answered already, Ravina. Uh, maybe now you're going to tell us what did you do when you woke up in 2017 and realized that you had to be way more active than than you that you than you were before yeah absolutely um i mean as a business i think first when you look at when you look at you know the vine and and the reason why i began the monarch challenge was because you know you have up here you have the canopy which is you're trying to protect your fruit from mildew pressure and down below here you have this under the vine area and you have your vine row. And I understand the argument between conventional sprays up here and, and organic contact sprays. But what I didn't understand was why people would spray herbicides to kill the grasses when you could use an implement. And the argument that was being, and that's where, you know, since the introduction of Roundup and in, in, in glyphosate and, and kind of the 
um, expanse of the herbicide um, world in agriculture, um, the monarch population of butterflies um, on the Western monarchs, which is a beautiful orange, black and, and white spotted butterfly went from 4.4 million individuals down to this last winter's count um, through the Xerxes Society counted 1,910 individuals and they're on the brink of extinction. And there's three reasons for this, climate change, migratory path disruption, and uh, the use of, of these chemicals in farming. And so my initial movement with the Monarch Challenge was to create awareness because there's nothing worse than shaming farmers. And farming is a form of art. Every farm has their passion about how they want to do it, and every farm's different. And so it was not to go out and shame farmers because when I did talk to farmers, it was, you know, some of these were my friends and saying, I'm trying to put my kids through college. I'm trying to put uh, food on the table for my family. And there's an economic divide and then there's a carbon footprint divide. Um, and so they would say, well, while you're talking about the soil microbiome and the farm biology, um, uh, you know, you're actually going to go spray more or you're going to use more fossil fuel to farm organically. And so organic technically is not better for the planet. And so there was this, what I call the carbon footprint divide. And um, uh, so the carbon footprint divide and the economic divide between organic and conventional farming. And so I was thinking, how do we bridge this to make it so farming in a clean way, organically, biodynamically, permaculture, in a regenerative way is economically superior to, um, to conventional farming. So uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate um, out on the Sonoma coast, this, all, this whole journey began with Dante and I with rain when we were going out and we were looking at vineyards and we were saying, wow, people are using more and more chemicals in farming. And yet we're, we know that this is bad for, for the environment. We know this is bad for the farmer. We know this is bad for the consumer. How are people doing this? And so, um, you know, quickly realized we have to flip this. If you look you know, at, at Tesla, for example, and this was kind of my aha moment, my epiphany moment, and why I started um, and became uh, one of the co-founders of Monarch Tractor was, you know, you can drive a Tesla down a freeway at 70 miles per hour autonomously having it change lanes. Why couldn't you do that with a tractor? And so um, through this, this challenge and through all this, I actually started the company um, with the aim to make farming in a clean way economically superior. And that's Monarch Tractor. And actually, I'll show you guys because I'm up here at a friend's winery and we're about to do a demo. Um, and I'll show you what we're trying to get rid of, which you can see that that diesel tank and the fuel dependency of farming, which is really sad. That diesel is pink diesel. It's subsidized by the government and it's taken from a mine, refined, brought here, and then burnt. And agriculture on our planet right now is responsible for about 20, 24% of our carbon footprint on a global basis. And one of those tractors turning on that, that fossil fuel tractor is like turning on 17 cars right now. And so I, I was really fortunate. I met uh, my three co-founders. Mark came from Tesla in the early days. Um, you know, his first job was to double the rest for production. Final job there was to uh, build a gigafactory. And, uh, and then Praveen, an engineer genius, our CEO, and Dr. Zachary Omohundro, who's got his PhD in uh, robotics from Carnegie Mellon and a master's in electrical engineering has been deploying aerospace, auto and agricultural technologies. But this is, our, this is what we've come up with, which is an electric driver optional tractor, which will make the economic divide um, or, or we'll, we'll get rid of the economic divide between conventional farming and organic farming and the carbon footprint. So now we can move towards a renewable farm where you can use the power of the sun to power your farm instead of fossil fuel um, you can 
take your 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 best operators and get rid of the hazmat suit where you know this right now any farm on this planet the most dangerous place on the farm is right there in the director seat and so we're getting rid of hazmat suits we're going to make farmers healthier even if you're using organic contact sprays you don't want to be breathing that and so um long story short the way we're going to make this planet better is by making a renewable planet and making that economically superior to the old fossil fuel ways. We've invested into our planet to support fossil fuel. We just now need to invest into renewable energy and invest, invest into weaning our planet away from that. So we don't hit 400, we already have hit 420 parts per million of CO2 on this planet, which just is unacceptable. Meanwhile, while these fires are burning, the very resources that we have that are metabolizing the CO2 to keep balance on this planet is going away. The oceans, all of that. So what became the modern challenge for me to just create awareness, I, I, I realized we had, to, we had to create a solution. And so um, this year, my brother and I at Rain Winery, we, we mowed our vineyards uh, with, with electric power, with renewable power. Um, and so what I'm doing from a commitment from my standpoint right now with rain is we're moving all of our, um, we're, we're weaning away from fossil fuel. So everything from, from being able to um, go to renewable farming um, to, to being able to also work with people like Paolo and, and Rowena, Rowena to use more elegant packaging, glass with a lighter carbon footprint and all that to be able to you know, have a lighter carbon footprint. And also I do wanna say that there are ways where we can still have our cake and eat it too. Being clean doesn't mean we have to sacrifice. Being, we can do this at a higher level um, and, and, and shipping, for example, that can be done with, with renewable energy, all that. So I, I do still believe in a global, you know, to be able to drink great wine from Portugal and in California, I think that that's still possible and, and vice versa to be able to drink great, you know, California and, and, and Portugal. So um, I believe in the future, but I also believe that, that leaders and, and, and activists have to stand up and make a, make a stance. And so I want to just say really quickly to, to the, the crew at Porta Protocol to Mar Marta and Christina, um, you know, big thank you for, for setting us up and Paolo and Rowena, it's, it's, it's great to be here with you guys. So that, that's kind of my, 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 my quick journey on why I think it's important that we make this all clean. So, so, so sorry, I went on a little short. bit. The way you acted after 2017 was through Monarch Challenge and then by creating a new product, which is Monarch Tractor, as you believe that yeah. it was the way to reply, to respond to the type of viticulture you believe will yeah. be good for the planet. And I, did, and, and I did not want to start a technology company. I did not want to be in the tractor business. I, I, I literally, this was something that I was so passionate about. And I realized that when talking to, to these big tractor companies, these are big companies. $120 billion companies talking to them and they're, they're just not, they weren't listening. They weren't, you know, so sometimes in order to make change, you have to do it yourself. And so I, I just was very fortunate to get the introduction of a lifetime to my co-founders and we now have an 80 person team and we're growing quite quickly. Um, and, and so it's exciting. All right. So thank you, Carlo. Paulo, you mentioned that it all started more or less when you started taking this into the business, that it started more or less five years ago in a thinking meeting that you had. How did you trigger this in the company? So you had a meeting, I imagine, with all your directors. How did it leave that meeting room 
into reality, into the operation. Well, you're on mute. Okay, um, so we have, um, uh, starting with Sonai. Sonai is, um, is, um, is a very diversified company, but we have uh, a, a group dedicated to sustainability, which has uh, senior people from all the different companies. And that's where we, we do a lot, of the, a lot of the thinking on, uh, on, uh, on these subjects. And when we chose the, um, the, the, our priorities, it wasn't that difficult, you know. There is a there is an honest, serious commitment by the vast majority of people working at Sanai to do the right thing. I mean, it's otherwise they wouldn't be at Sanai if they didn't believe that. We uh, we we say it so often and we uh, we preach it so often. It must be unbearable to be at Sanai if you don't believe in it. And uh, so there isn't there isn't like a, a resistance um, that I've heard of other companies. You know, people wanting to hit their financial KPIs and not wanting to lose time with other stuff that really does not does not exist and so there wasn't a lot of resistance the um the, the, i think the first uh, battle the first challenge was to understand uh, really understand the thing you know it's quite complicated with all these different scopes and uh, as arena was saying with all the implications if you look at uh, from 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 the very beginning of the supply chain to the end it's really really complex and uh, an understanding uh, where were the big opportunities to, to start with, that was ours, our first concern. And the, um, the, the really good news was that the, the, the beginning, the, the, the first opportunities were really large and actually economically very interesting uh, as well. So, um, so there was a lot of energy um, and then people believe in this passionately, so you could see you can see people particularly proud to be involved in, in projects that um, that uh, that affected uh, nature and, and, and climate change. So it wasn't it wasn't difficult. I uh, I can be a, a pushy CEO when I have to, but that was not uh, that was not uh, that was not needed at all. And um, and at, at at the glass company um, at BA Glass, um, it's. It's very clear, you know, glass is such a marvelous material in so many, so many ways and so aligned with, uh, um, with, you know, long-term sustainability in terms of reuse, reduce, recycle, the process itself. And so the, the fact that it is energy intensive and uh, has a lot of uh, CO2 emissions and is, is, is an obvious uh, concern, right? So we, we don't, we don't need to you're going to spend a lot of time knowing where to focus. You focus, uh, you focus on reducing CO2, uh, or, uh, however you can. So that was very, from a from a practical perspective, it's also easy to 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 accelerate because focus was naturally there. Let me ask you, starting with BA, uh, and also because we know that BA is the on one hand not BA, not BA, but glass. Uh, or glass bottles, heavy glass bottles are the element that contribute the most to the carbon footprint of wine. And on the other hand, and that's why we invited you here today, we know you've launched uh, you've launched this challenge when you became a chairman of VA of achieving carbon neutrality by, by 2030, if I'm not wrong. What was this? Oh, sorry, what? not 2030. Oh, sorry, sorry. 54% <laughs> 
50% reduction by two. Okay, okay. Uh, but nevertheless, what what does this mean for BA? What does this mean in terms of team, but also in terms of uh, of goals? So can I show you a chart? Yes, I hopefully you are. Oh, I believe you can. I believe you can. I'll share my screen, which is usually. Yeah, I think you can share your screen. And. Uh, yeah, you can share it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just. Uh, whoops. Can you do it? I um, think so. Give me a second. Okay. Can you see my screen? No. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I, I won't be able to do it. it. It requires me. I don't usually use Zoom, and it requires me. I've given it permission, but it requires me to. All right, don't worry. We can go back to that. If, if you can have it sent, it, uh, if you can have it sent by email, when I just as soon as I get it, I'll I'll um, I'll share it, and I'll start by asking uh, something else, and I'll uh, we'll share it as soon as possible. As again with your two hats, and I'll be asking this to to also also Rubina and and Carlo, having two hats. You manage all of you manage companies with completely different sizes with completely different number numbers of, of people of staff how how and i'll start again and being with you I'll, I'll say this to you i'm a consumer okay and i go to the supermarket for example talking about your your hat as uh, as sonai or carlo is a producer and rovina design agency as a, a different stakeholder from both these these companies how can we guarantee or how or no, at least how do we know that across the whole company people are engaged with these policies with and talking top down how can how do we engage a whole company in 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 these type of engagements Paul yes do send the the slide if you can yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. so it's impossible to know. Um, uh, Sanai employs sixty thousand people. Um, yesterday, I was um, uh, welcoming a new head of um, uh, sustainability that has been working for a month and a half. And the first thing I asked her is, "What did you find? Did you find everyone is uh, really committed and willing?" Because it's it's always good to, to have uh, outside uh, views and opinions. It's impossible to know, but you can do a lot to guarantee that the vast majority are, and uh, and you can lead by example. You can uh, you can uh, you can show. Uh, you can uh, give great examples. You you can you can educate people. You can you can have targets uh, uh, that are uh, to, to so that people know that, that this is important for you. But at the end of the day, I think leadership. Uh, if if the leaders are, are are committed, it's I mean people want to solve this problem, right? It's not uh, it's not like it's something difficult like reducing headcount or something that you know we will cringe to have to do because of because it's difficult and not nice. No, everybody wants to solve this problem. So I don't. I, 
if the leaders believe it, I think um, the vast majority of, uh, of, um, of people will know it's important and they're very willingly uh, follow with, with energy. And you mentioned you can educate. Uh, how, uh, how, how do you do that? How, how do you educate or can you even educate your consumer, for example? How do you see the role? Can you educate a wine producer? Uh, in, in that, how do you see that the role of those two companies playing in this value chain? Okay, so so um, consumers and customers is a, is a little bit more difficult, but you but you can do a lot. Um, our retailer was um, basically absent from uh, organic uh, products and uh, and um, 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 health food only six, seven years ago. Um, we're the market leader in general food retailing, but there was just a couple of small small companies that were specialized and had made, and the market was very small. There was very little awareness uh, for that. Um, so when a company our size uh, sort of dedicates itself to that and, and, and promotes the products and gives it space and gives it uh, visibility, um, with all the uh, also the, the, the digital tools we have of connecting of giving content and information to customers it um it goes very quickly the market exploded at the same time that we dedicated we became number one uh in in organic food in uh less than two years um and uh, and, and the market tripled in those two years so uh, you know, people go to supermarkets all the time, right? It's one of one of the most recurrent uh, purchases. So we have a lot of a lot of uh, consumer time in um, in 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 the, in, uh, in, the, in the the bottling business, the the bottle, the the, the glass container business. I, I I don't know it as well. I think um, it's been quite a, a weird uh, learning experience for me because I have completely different uh, views from different segments. So um, if I, uh, if we talk about soft drinks or food, uh, customers just want more glass. They want less plastics and more glass. Uh, the market is in, in short supply of, uh, of, uh, uh, of glass of products. So there we don't have enough because uh, everybody just wants away from plastics. Customers hate plastic and they want glass. In, in, the, in the wine industry, um, I've, which is, you know, uh, a lot of uh, glass has a high market share. This, this, the, the, I've seen a lot of concern with, uh, with CO2 emissions and, um, and um, people wondering uh, if they have to turn away from glass. And, and and so our mission has been uh, to to explain that climate change and nature is not just CO two emissions, and that uh, that the glass uh, container companies are doing a lot in uh, in in reducing CO two and explain the the track record. Not deny that it has a high level. It does have a high level. It is energy intensive. Part of the uh, energy intensive, um, a large part of the energy intensive is the same problem as um, all energy intensive industries like concrete or steel or uh, or even transport. And we're talking about 
the energy transition. And uh, it's, a, it's a global problem. It's not, it, you know, we could theoretically change uh, all our uh, gas furnaces to hydrogen furnaces without much cost, but there is no green hydrogen. Um, and, and so it's a, it, it's, a, it's a lengthy process. And I, you know, I don't think BA Glass can go to their customers and, uh, and convince them they have to be uh, uh, more, uh, pay more attention to, to reducing their emissions. What we can do, and, uh, and I think this year is a big year for that for BA Glass, is show them that we have alternative products that have already a much better uh, uh, footprint than, than, than the products they're currently taking and, and hoping that they will, they will adhere to these, to these, to these products. And, um, and, and I think there is generally, I, I don't think it's our mission to educate. I, I, I think they know. Um, now, being from a retailer, uh, we own a lot of square meters, okay? So of, of, of buildings. So a lot of the, um, the progress we made was related to square meters, to building, to rebuilding, to, to air conditioning. Um, when I look at the wine industry, uh, I think, um, you know, winemakers own so much land. Uh, there has to be a lot of opportunity to work on the uh, carbon sequestration. And of course, what matters is the net amount of, uh, of CO2 up in the atmosphere. There has to be um, uh, a way for the, for the wine industry to make a big contribution in terms of carbon sequestration, and and I, I don't see that. Um, also, Carlo is, is obviously very much on top of it, but I don't see that uh, generalized uh, as a, 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 as a, as a concern. And that would be that would be perhaps something I I, I would dare to bring up with some some customers. Well, believe me, that's indeed one of the ways of working and we have many wine producers, although I must tell you, and before I, I, I move on to Rovina, that we have many wine producers that are part of protocol that tell us that we have to work more with the trade <laughs> in regards, especially to, to packaging, but, but I'll, get, uh, I'll get back on that and I already have uh, your graphic, let me just ask Rovina. One of the, the things that, uh, that impressed us when we first spoke to you is that in this path of yours of waking up to climate change and to sustainability as a whole, you mentioned that you started talking to your customers, to your clients about this. So the, the, the role sort of shifted. How, how do you do this? How do you, how do you play? A role in trying to educate, if we can use this word, people and clients yeah. most of all. Well, I think as Paolo said, um, you know, everyone that we have come across is is incredibly um, passionate. They want to do the right thing when it comes to fighting climate change, um, reversing climate change, and 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 being a more sustainable business. I think one of the, the key issues is just the volume of information um, and, and options. It's like, you know, you, you, it's like you uncover something and then it goes deeper and then deeper and deeper. It's like, oh, my goodness, when is this ever going to end? When can I actually find like a concrete solution? That's what I need to do. So for our clients, it's, 
you know, we, we have a dedicated sustainability team at our, our business and we're not a big business, but we have four people that, that work on sustainability and the amount of articles that they have to read every day just to keep on top of the latest legislation and the impact on brands and um, the latest innovations and technologies is 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 kind of overwhelming for us. So for a, for a brand manager who's got 100 other things to do, it can become sort of problematic. So one of the things that we've been doing is, is certainly from CMO level down is talking to our clients about how we can help offer a more um, objective um, advice. So, so being a conduit basically for a whole lot of different partners from glass manufacturers to energy suppliers to paper manufacturers to printers um, and, and be able to provide them with a, a suite of tools that best fits that particular brand or that particular company's um, vision. So, you know, we're not aiming to make companies perfect, um, but we are aiming to put them on a continuous journey of improvement um, as, as we all are on this uh, journey to, to fight climate change. You mentioned different stakeholders, not just your client, but the label company, the oh God, you said others, the, the, the glass company, for example. And I'm thinking when you as a design agency, and I know there are other design agencies listening to us today, um, you at the end of the day, the life cycle, not the part of the, the, the grape, of course, that starts with Carlos, so to speak. The design, the, the what, what gets to consumers starts with you. But we're talking about POS material. And by experience, I know that sometimes it goes, it cannot even be recyclable or you, you mix several types of materials. How do you, do you work on that as well with your clients? Do you, do you try to source and try to find materials that are, for example, less, uh, that, that can be reusable or that can be, well, at least recyclable or that try to generate the least waste possible is it something that you have internalized as a as a business in the way yes, you def yes definitely i think one of the one of the first things we did was to reach out to all of our suppliers who we've been working with for for a couple of decades to see you know what what um, products they had and what developments they they were making um so that we got a really good understanding of of you know the the capabilities of all of our um, suppliers to you know supply us and and everyone else in mm -hmm. the in the industry, I think one of I mean it kind of gets down to some really basic tools. One of the first things we do when a client briefs us on a job is we ask them about their their vision of sustainability. You know, tell us do you do you want to do do you want us to be recommending. Um, you know, products that, and it's, it, you can see them going, oh, God, I hadn't even thought about that. So actually just bringing sustainability to the table every single time is, is part of that, that education. And so it's very rare that a client will say, oh, I don't care. No, 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 just use whatever's cheapest or, or plastic's fine. They'll, you know, they'll like, oh, gosh, I didn't even think about that. What are the alternatives? Take me through that. And then that conversation becomes easier and easier because, you know, at the next briefing, then they're already on that journey and we can take them one step further. Carlo, having two different stakeholders here and as a wine producer in your head, as a wine producer, how do you think you can work with these three stakeholders that we actually four, counting Monarch Tractor, although you were Monarch Tractor, 
how how can you play how can you uh, work with different stakeholders within the wine value chain to towards this common goal of climate action how do you see each playing a role the role of of the trade the role of uh, design agencies the role of glass producers yeah no, I, I think it's exactly kind of that 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 question you asked paulo is is how do we engage our team and we look at all of our individual from our, our label printers to our box producers to our glass producers as our partners. And so just knowing that we have that partnership with them and having that conversation. So one, uh, you know, uh, I think having leadership in that and having a conversation, creating awareness with them and saying, hey, do you think we could do this? If we went away completely away from, from foil tops and we're using just wax now, um, but I think having, you know, identifying companies that that see um, and care about the planet and, and want to do better is 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 a start. And then um, working with them and constantly pushing them, um, you know, challenge them um, and find ways to make you know the, the the clean path economically superior to the the not the the kind of conventional path. And I think that um, right now we're super fortunate to have some of the brightest people on our planet working on this. Um, and so just engaging them and really connecting and doing things like this, where you have conversations and just constantly continuously trying to push. Um, it's a great question though. And it's something that we, we do within Dante and I, um, with rain, we do continuously and constantly in our team. And then same with, with that Monarch tractor, um, you know, we, we were offered a significant amount of money to, to retrofit diesel tractors, um, to be robotic and, and autonomous and we said no because it doesn't fit our sustainability goals and so um you know also be be stubborn in your in your goals and make sure that you have people that work with you to get there um, i think it's important but i, I right now know this is a big concern on, with within everyone in this chat and everyone's working hard and trying to find cleaner better solutions which is is exciting all right, thank you, Paolo. And now I'm going to share your slide. Yeah, can you okay. see my screen? Yeah. So thank you for that. I think I think this this helps um, um, look at a lot of the um, issues that we're discussing. And um, and um, but I particularly wanted to to distinguish here the really tough problems from uh, from the problems we already have solutions for. This is pretty much the path to. Uh, to uh, um, carbon neutrality that we'll be uh, attempting to, uh, to uh, no, we're not attempting, we will succeed in, in getting <laughs> to. Uh, certainly the level at the end of this graph is a level which uh, can easily be, 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 be offset. And there's a number of other things. I've excluded a lot of things that we're doing. Just, you know, um, there's a lot of work on, on the recipe. Um, to reduce the, the melting point of glass to save energy. There's a lot of work on uh, heat recovery. Uh, there is uh, a lot of work on uh, efficiency of pack to melt, uh, how much of the glass that gets melted gets to be in a bottle that affects all this. Um, but on the um, starting point, which is a figure which is often, this is a standard um, um, Bordelais bottle. Um, and uh, figures um, usually get talked around uh, are around the, the um, 307 uh, 
uh, gram of CO2 equivalent for, for a bottle, usually the, the assumption is that this is uh, without recycled glass um, and, and a standard uh, weight of the bottle of around 420 grams. And um, the, the nice thing here is that uh, today uh, there is already average of the BA glass group, which would be an average of most uh, uh, um, plants that are located in export markets is about 37% of uh, recycled glass use. And this is where, where we are today. And that's 259 grams. The really, really good news is that we, are, we will be able to offer this year uh, the first uh, uh, three steps and, um, and sell uh, bottles with 166 grams, which is a huge reduction. Um, we have uh, um, all these needs partners, uh, but the solutions are there. Uh, just to get 90% of colored is just uh, to increase the, the recycling rate of, uh, of, um, of glass. And that is being worked out in all the countries that we're on. We're at around 70, um, but uh, we certainly know how to produce glass bottles with 90%. And, uh, and we will be reaching 90% uh, in many of our furnaces. Um, the lightweight, we need to work with, uh, with partners uh, in design and with customers, but we, we make a lot of bottles around 360 grams already for wine. And we will be launching one uh, Bordelais in the same, the same weight this year with our pure brand. Um, but you know, we understand that the wine industry sells a lot more than wines you sell um, dreams, sensations, lifestyle, experiences. And, uh, so we need to be, uh, we need, to, we we need to to work with everyone uh, to make these bottles also very, very, very attractive. And um, and and green electricity, we have all the the contracts for for, for plus the the investments we made in a, in in solar power um, to be able to supply truly green, not just. Um, paying for more, a little bit more for it to have a green stamp, but actually buying it from a, from a electricity uh, producers who, who produce the exclusively um, uh, renewable energy. So that that's it's 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 we know how to do it. All the technology is there, uh, and we are doing it uh, this year and, and, um, and, and rolling it out everywhere over the coming years. The next two steps are uh, are, are difficult, are, are this, and that's where the the the, the evil problem of uh, uh, intense energy. And what we're doing there is uh, we are committing to having our own hybrid furnace, first hybrid furnace working in 2025, and we are part of um, a group of um, uh, European-based uh, glass container producers that have already agreed to build one uh, as we speak. Um, it will be uh, uh, slightly different from the one we are committing to to um, to put into place, but it, it is ongoing, and uh, and and this will be a big step. I mean, it is very expensive today, um, but this this is a key step. But it needs a lot of work with uh, with our suppliers um, and a lot of uh, investment and research. But uh, we are confident that we will get there. And then the last step uh, is even a little less mature, which is uh, carbon uh, capture and carbon storage uh, technology. Uh, but we are also working on that. 
Uh, we are very fortunate that our shareholders have told us they've created a special fund um, to invest uh, in uh, in this um, theme of reducing carbon emissions, which uh, doesn't um, it doesn't sort of count to our PNL. It's like a, a, sh a share capital increase yeah. every year that we do not have to remunerate um, of close to 10 million euros. So we'll be investing in the next 10 years, um, that plus the company resources, we have a, this will cost 270 million euros of, uh, of CapEx to ensure that those two last steps are, uh, are, are viable. Now, as you know, furnaces are big investments and they don't, um, they don't get uh, replaced until they get to the end of their lives. Um, otherwise, it would be a, you know, a very serious economic problem. Um, so that's the reason why it takes, it, it, it takes time. We believe we will have the solutions um, uh, for the first hybrid furnace step in 2025. And, um, and it won't take that long to, um, to get to the right carbon culture technologies either. But to, to replace our furnaces in, in all our plants will, will, will take time. And that's why we have adhered to the science-based targets um, and we have submitted um, our, our proposal on, a, on, a, on an annual basis. But the most difficult thing is it takes time to replace all these, all these, all these furnaces. furnaces. Is it fair to say that when you look, for example, at stage three, having 90% of recycled glass is not only, it's not only dependent on you, but it's also dependent on other stakeholders. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, 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 my two hats are relevant here. So partnerships. With, yes, very relevant, yes. With retailers here are important. Partnerships with the states and the, and the, and the recycling organizations. and and obviously the rules that are made around that, all this requires uh, a lot of progress. The good news is that if you, if you were to project this graph backwards, um, you wouldn't have to go that far back uh, to when the, uh, the 307 grams were uh, closer to 700 grams. Yeah. So, so there is a lot of progress. Uh, and, um, uh, but each one of these steps requires partnerships with them. Um, with, with, with a lot of people. We can't do any of this uh, on our own. No, but going back to your Sonai hat, that will be a very important one. And also, as Porto Protocol going to stage four, it's one of the things that many wine producers tell, tell us. The more wine producers go into lightweight bottles, the easier it will be to engage with consumers, making them understand that a lightweight bottle has nothing to do with the quality of wine inside. And in fact, let me just say that one of the things that we realized as a team is that many times the prejudice, if we can call it that, of having to have good wine, fine wine in a heavy bottle has more to do with producers than with consumers. But this is not, uh, a, a, this is not a, a, a talk about packaging, so I will not go there anymore. Now, Rovina, let me go back to you. Let me ask you something. You became, uh, in, this, in this journey, you became a climate neutral uh, agency. You became climate neutral certified. What, what did, in what did this help you? What did it bring to the business? What did it bring to the team? And I'll stop sharing now. Um, 
Oh, look, I, I think um, becoming climate neutral from a team perspective was just a really um, motivating factor um, amongst, um, you know, our, our three officers. And so, you know, everyone within the business is incredibly um, passionate about um, about sustainability. We we employ the services of Circuthon Consulting about a year ago to do company wide training in sustainability. So um, whilst we were doing that, we then um, started on the on the journey to becoming climate neutral, which um, you know is. Uh, there's a lot of data that you have to pull together and again as a small business it, it can be kind of cumbersome but we just felt it was a really important statement to be able to make to our clients um to our staff and, and to the industry at whole and and certainly for our staff they just loved it you know we as soon as we were able to announce on on earth day in 2021 that we were climate neutral you know the all of the, the team, you know, put up on their personal Instagram how how passionate they were about the business and how excited they were to be part of the movement. And, and I just think it's one of those things that, you know, it, it heightens employee engagements um, and, and loyalty and um, inspiration. It's, I, I can't see any negatives. Um, and, it, and it also enables us to involve them in what they can do in terms of how we operate as a business you know we're a paper-based company we print things out um how can we reduce that how can we um uh you know look at um different options within the business um, as well as you know what we actually recommend to our clients so yeah it was it was a it was a great step for us um, and and like our clients just one step on this journey uh, to, to fighting climate change let me just ask you a simple question did it help in any way organize the business look at the information in a more organized fashion or not or not at all just in comparison to other certifications no, I, I no, I wouldn't say that it, it did right. that. I think I think what it did do is it, it highlighted a number of different strategies that we could um, partake with to, to you know to make sure Implements. that um, yeah. we, you know we changed electricity providers, we changed our car fleet to elect, electric car. You know, we did a whole lot of things to make sure that um, that every year we are getting better and better. All right, just two simple questions. One simple question for each of our guests before I ask you for final messages. Carla, one of the expressions that you've, you've used quite often throughout this talk is economically superior or economically interesting. And I mean, again, we deal with many wine producers on, the, uh, producers on a daily basis, many of them quite small. And not all, I'm sure, have uh, the, 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 the means to invest in a, in a Monarch tractor, not yet, at least. How, how, would, you, how did you, would you describe the benefits of, of having what you call, because we took these, these words not from you, but from one of your colleagues at Monarch Tractor, one of your co-founders, of having a climate-friendly farming approach? Do you yeah. think it's the way to go because the business risks of not implementing it are way bigger than if you do so? How how the, does the economic pillar come in into the into play? 
I mean, it's a great question. And I think can it's hear, actually can hear me well. Sorry. farms. Okay. Good. Can you hear me? Now we can. Yeah. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. No, yeah. I think, it, I think that's a great question because, you know, I look at a lot of the small family farms and they get it. And a lot of the small family farms are actually the ones that are, you know, excited about and already implementing uh, organic and beyond practices in their farming. Um, they look at it at a smaller number. Um, it's when you get to the big companies, the massive companies. Um, I, I look at like rain, rain's 18 and a half acres. Um, when my family sold Robert Mondavi winery, there was 1600 acres, just in Napa and 8,000 acres, just in the state of California. And so the impact big farms have, and, and, and by the way, we are consolidated by even, even bigger company. And so the impact big farms have way outweighs the small families. The small family farms are the ones that, that do buy Monarch tractors that do farm in really uh, elegant ways and are super concerned about uh, you know the, the planet and, and, and the big companies typically have a deep concern about sustainability, but they have shareholders to answer to. And so they're looking at the economics. And so the reason why we flipped the script was because I can talk to all of, of, of my friends and, and this was before with the Monarch Challenge in terms of talking about the soil microbiome, the farm biology and the overall health of, of, of kind of our planet, um, they were already farming at a high level, most of them. Many of them after talking about, you know, what herbicides do and, 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 and some of these chemicals, systemics, et cetera, they, they, if they weren't already off it, they, they went off of it. Um, it was the, the walls that we hit were with the big farms, the big agricultural conglomerates. And so that was where we said, if we can make this economically superior, because nobody at the end of the day says, wakes up and says, I want to go spray herbicides. I want to go use chemicals. They, they do that out of the economics. They do it to basically first create a crop. Farmers are the most important people on this planet. This is how we eat. And so, um, you know, we have to make sure that we give them the economics to be able to do it at a high level and to, to make their jobs really fulfilling as well because of how important their jobs are. And so by making it economically superior, um, you know, you, you, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can, you can farm whichever elegant way you want to farm um, and, and be able to do it in a way that is, is both great for our planet, um, creates a better, better quality in the product, and, and also is economically superior. So the, I think that is the challenge that we all face is how do we make this economically superior, whether it's glass, paper, boxes, the actual agricultural side of, of, of the practice of, of creating uh, delicious goods. And so um, it's, been, it's been amazing. In fact, we've got incredible um, uh, partnerships with, with some of the largest companies in the world on the agricultural side, not just in vineyards, but in, in orchards and, and beyond. And so it's been, it's been great to see that once you create that bridge, everyone wants to go over it and get to the other side. Um, right now, it's just it's it's the, sh the shareholders uh, unfortunately are more concerned about earnings, I think, and and so uh, we flipped the script, and and it's working out really well for us. All right, thank you, Paulo. Picking up on the word shareholders because it has a lot to do with the question, I wanted to ask: Is it possible? I don't know, even know if it's a reality in the two uh, realities that are ringing here today. To, to have, for example, sustainability indicators or sustainability KPIs. Is that, for example, a type of solution that you can embrace in order to engage at a higher level uh, companies of the size of the ones you, such as BA and, and Sanai? 
Uh, you're on mute. Sorry, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Both at BA and Sonai, um, all levels have um, uh, sustainability KPIs on their uh, main KPIs, including CEO, executive directors. Um, okay. it's, um, it's part of our philosophy that um, uh, nature and um, uh, social value is on par with economic value. And so that, that, that is the case uh, already. And let me ask you just to finish, do you think that not having that, especially when it comes to climate change, has a bigger, has a higher business risk than doing it, though it might have investments that you have to, to make to, to, to apply certain measures? It's a difficult question and, and has a lot to do with, um, I think the right answer would have a lot to do with, uh, with your um, uh, time frame. And if you're speaking in particular of a company or in general, I'm a big believer that business in general will understand that it's just not viable to optimize just economic capital. It's a, it's, it will be uh, recognized as a, as a big failure of, uh, of capitalism. And, and I think that's become very, very clear. So. The less, at least the largest companies and well-intended companies are all engaged on working out how to get to this triple bottom line, how to measure uh, your triple result, your financial result, your social result, and your environmental result. And I think for, for the first time, I spent a, a, a many years um, getting hammered on the head by the, the market shareholders for spending money on things without return. And that really didn't happen anymore in my last year as a CEO, a few years ago. Um, now, I don't think that's the case everywhere, but I certainly think there are enough shareholders out there that understand that uh, for companies that, that want to, uh, um, to, to exhibit their, their economic value added together with a social and, uh, and environmental value added. There, there, are, there are people out there to, to listen. And in the long run, um, it's either businesses understand that or, or, or society will not accept the, the, the economic system that we have. So I'm a big believer in the long run, how things will turn out in different parts of the world and, and the, the ways to get there. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a shaky time. We have uh, some countries zooming off in one direction and we have a lot of our society split uh, down the middle. Uh, but I'm uh, pretty confident of the end result. Thank you, that was great. So let me ask you to finish with very three simple takeaway, uh, not, I, won't, I wouldn't call it messages, but acts, actions that business leaders such as yourselves from very big companies and very small companies can really uh, take as, a, as an example of things they can do in, within their companies to trigger climate action. And Rovina, you can start with you. Uh, well, I think that the, maybe the first thing is, is about communication. So um, uh, making sure that the, the, your discussions about, um, uh, about um, sustainable solutions are sort of, um, at, at, at every touch point and, and with every stakeholder that you work with, be clients, suppliers, um, staff, and just making sure that that you're that you're out there 
um, you know, pushing this agenda because the more we communicate, the more normalised it becomes and the more aware um, people are. Um, so, yeah, I think communication is really important. Um, with our future proof model, I think Carlo um, said it really well about it's about building a bridge. And then once you've built that bridge, everyone can can follow um, really quickly. And I think for us, it's about doing that. It's about, you know, creating that bridge where where clients can go on this journey and then we can help support them as they move through. Third thing, I don't know, just um, I, I think um, being aware of the positive impact that uh, that this this journey can have on on your um, on your team um, is is really important. I think it's it's part of it. It's one of the easiest things to do to really get um, people motivated and passionate and feel like they are with the right company at, at this time. Wonderful, thank you, Rowena. Carlo. Yeah, no, it's, and it's a great question and, and uh, completely agree with Rowena. I think creating that awareness is so paramount um, to, to being successful. Um, for me in farming, I think right now, um, you know, going towards a renewable farm. So getting away from fossil fuel farming, um, getting into renewable energy, skipping the grid. Uh, you know, right now, one electric tractor, for example, like Monarch, uh, can save a, a farm 53 metric tons per of, of greenhouse gases per year um, while, while it's up to the grid. And if you go to renewable resources, it's 73 metric tons. That's a significant amount. So I think getting rid of fossil fuel from our life um, and our diet <laughs> um, on, on you know commuting, et cetera, um, is important. So going, going electric, um, then investing into solar and renewable, so whether it's wind, geothermal, hydro, hydro. I'm, I'm saying solar because it's so beautiful and sunny here right now. Um, uh, so going towards renewable energy. Um, and then, you know, there's one thing we don't, I think, talk about enough in agriculture, and, and that's one of the bigger aspects of our carbon footprint, and that is tilling. Um, as plants are photosynthesizing and pulling carbon out of the atmosphere, they're storing it in their roots. And so going to a no-till program, I think, is also something that, um, is exciting, but I think that uh, Paolo was, was referring to that in, in agriculture. So we can be incredibly green um, if you just implement those renewable energy, uh, a, a power in your farm with renewable energy uh, and, and technologies like, like Monarch Tractor, uh, going no-till um, and investing into that. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, uh, talking about it, uh, voting with it. Every time you go out and you order food, um, you know, try to find farms that are farming organically and beyond because uh, it is, it is uh, the microbes in our soils do help retain carbon as well. It, it is important. Um, and so I think that we also need to think about, we can't have, we need to have our cake and eat it too. We are in a climate emergency right now. We need to uh, be protecting our, our, our soil microbiome, our farm biology, the species on our planet, the biodiversity, the forests and the rivers and the oceans. And so, uh, we need to do everything we can to do that so that we as humans can not just survive, but thrive. And we can do that and coexist on this planet if we, if we act now. So um, that, that's, that's um, my big thing. And, and yeah. Paolo. <laughs> Mute. Mute. <laughs> Three things you asked for. Well, I, I would go with 
two that have already been said. Certainly, awareness is um, is 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 key because the answers will come from uh, from looking at the problems. Also, I've already mentioned and Carla reinforced now. I think wine uh, makers have a huge opportunity to um, to capture carbon. And um, you know, we all know the number of carbon atoms on the planet is fixed; it never changes. Our problem is the carbon atoms that happen to be in the atmosphere are CO2. So um, capturing them is as good as, 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 uh, as, uh, as, as, um, as not emitting them. And, um, and the amount of carbon that can be um, in, in agricultural land, in, um, in trees, bushes, herbs, soils, uh, in buildings, in um, wood, furniture and wood, there is just um, in, in, in the seas and the rivers and animals and the gains in biodiversity and the, and the natural positive effect that biodiversity has on agricultural productivity, it's just got to be uh, a huge opportunity for, for, uh, for farmers and um, uh, land, landowners. And the third one, I'm sorry if you think this may be because I'm Portuguese, but um, it's rarely noted that if you put a cork on your glass bottle, you already have a carbon neutral packaging in the glass bottle. The amount of sequestration in a cork is bigger than the numbers we have currently shown you. And uh, so you will have a carbon neutral uh, packaging that will become uh, a, a contributor to carbon sequestration with the numbers that I showed you at the end of the year and, uh, and going forward. So um, I know this is different for different markets in different parts of the world, but if you can put a cork on it. <laughs> right. I completely, I completely agree with Paolo on that, by the way. I love natural pork. I think they are the best. And not only that, but the green aspect is, is just such a plus. <laughs> I, I do hope that uh, core producers are listening to us because they, they just had here a very, well, it's free advertising, it's, it's a fact that Cork has that role. So, Rovina, Carlo and Paolo, thank you so much for being here today. I'm not going to summarize what you said because I was here moderating, but one thing that is important for all the people on the other side of the screen, all the people that will listen once we make these, uh, the, this talk available, we've had here today completely different stakeholders of the wine value chain, a glass producer, a retailer, a, a wine producer, a climate service, service, if I can call it that, and a design agency. And they all have internalized climate change and have had understood the business sense of internalizing uh, climate change as part of their strategy. More importantly, we've had three companies from different industries with completely different sizes. And they understood the need that we as a species have to do this. So hopefully this has been so as well. Now, the, our climate talks will continue. We'll have a break from them throughout August. And then in October, we'll be back. We'll be back with energy management uh, throughout the wine value chain to start with. We'll have circular innovation, again, the role of soils. And then we'll be also looking 
into the, the efficiency in where climate change meets efficiency in a wine operation. All this along again with another business sense of internalizing climate change. Next edition will be in October with Caroline Thompson-Hill from Accolade Wine, with Nicole Sierra-Rollet from Chenbleu, and Michele Manelli from Sacchetto in Italy. So we'll hope to continue to have you. Remember, we invited you to become a part of our Porto Protocol and be engaged. And thank you again, all of you, for being here. And I'll abruptly end this webinar. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Carla Norvina. Thank you.